Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. There's a church camp that I went to as a kid in Northeast Maryland, and they would have um, this massive tabernacle in the middle of this really, I mean, it was pretty remote, actually, Um, but then they had all these like motels and cabins. In fact, the first time my wife ever went there with me, we drove up, and all of the cabins looked the same, and she just had this look on her face like, what is this? And I'm like, it's a church camp, and she's like, why does every cabin look the same? It seems more like concentration camp than church camp. The service had taken place. I was like eighth, ninth grade. Um, I was selected to be a part of a group that would travel to different churches. But on this night, we were all gathered at a church camp. The service was over, and they were going to have this gathering in the tabernacle after the service. And I had a friend of mine who thought it would be a great idea if 15 of us put on neon-colored underwear and we ran through their gathering. This is a PG story, so relax. So we did that, and it was not met to wild applause by the adults that were there, but everyone else there thought it was awesome. Now they really couldn't see, because it was kind of dark, they really couldn't see our faces. So we run back to the place that we're staying, there's like 15 of us, we split up into our hotel rooms, and they come looking for us. And the way they identify us is by the color of our underwear. We know it was you, Kevin, because you had neon green on. Like I wasn't smart enough to think I probably should change them before they got back here to check this out. We get pulled out, there's a group of adults there, some are pastors, they're standing there, it's now like 12.30, one o'clock in the morning, and there's a group of us standing there. I was the only one that was in this other group that was supposed to go to these different churches. We were on what was called an impact team. And the guy immediately comes up and he's got us, he's got shovels, he's got brooms, you guys are gonna work because you totally wrecked what happened after this service. And that should not happen, plus you did it partially naked. That's also not a good idea at a church camp. Uh, He said, who by the way here is on the impact team? I was the only one in the whole group that was on this impact team. And he said, oh, wait till your director finds this out. So the very next morning, after hours of sweeping and cleaning, and I get to meet the director. Everybody else is off the hook now. All they had to do was manual labor. So I get to meet Dr. Danny West, and he walks out, and he's like, you did what? I'm like, yeah, man, we weren't exactly thinking. We're just, you know, we're in ninth grade, and we're, you know. And he said, does your parents know about this? Yeah. Are your parents surprised by this? Not really. And he said, this can't happen again. 
Yeah. And with that, he walked off. And I was waiting for the moment, the judicial moment that I had anticipated, and that was it. And for a few minutes tonight, I want to talk to you about, in my life, and I don't know about in your life, I've had more judicial moments than grace-filled moments, which has impacted how I exchange or share grace, unfortunately. I want you to get this scripture as I start. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it, see to it that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Another rendering of this would say this. See to it that no one misses grace. I'm here tonight for one central reason. Besides Adrian asked me to do this. I want to make sure that tonight, tomorrow, and tomorrow night, if you choose to show up after tonight, that nobody would miss grace. And he told me, and I listened to some of it, that you just came out of this kind of tough series, right, in Revelation, and now you're on a series in the family, and he said, well, what are you thinking? I said this. He said, oh, that'll be good. People will breathe a little sigh of relief. They need some of this grace. So here we go. I don't know if you know this, but there are really smart people, smarter than me, that every year when something new is invented, they have to come up with a word and attach it to it, and they want to put it in a dictionary. So I'm going to give you some of these words as we start. Here's the first word. This is something new. Here's a new word. The word is phonesia. This word is actually in the dictionary. Have you ever heard of this word? Here's what it means. It means when you make a phone call and you forget who you're calling. Some of you have experienced that. Here's the next word, disconfect. This word means it's an attempt to sterilize a piece of candy that's fallen on the ground by simply blowing on it. All you old school people will remember that. The new group, you know, that just, they need sterilization, so that's. There's another word, I don't have it up here. It's called a petfluencer. A petfluencer is a person who takes social media and they show you all of these pictures and videos of their dog or their cat and they want to influence you. And it's an actual word now. I won't even reference your former pastor. Some of you didn't get that. (laughs) AKA hashtag Lucy. I love Lucy. Here's a word I just learned last week. I didn't learn the word, but I found out that it's actually in the dictionary, and it originated from the city I grew up near, and the word is John. Some of you, if you're from a little younger crowd or an urban crowd, you may have heard this word before. Now, here's the beautiful part of this word. I'm not making this up. There's no definition to the word. It's just a word that if you're in a sentence and you want to use it as a noun, an adjective, a verb, and you just want to throw something up in there, you just say, that John was, and it it works. It's an actual word. I I thought that was kind of funny. Here's, Here's the word, though, that I don't want you to miss. And there's a reason that I'm overemphasizing these other words. I don't want you to miss this word, grace. 
There are companies who spend a lot of time in research and marketing and advertising, and at times, they will look at a product that hasn't really changed, but they feel like society has forgotten about their product, and they will come back to you, and they will say, hey, do you remember whatever the product was? It could be Kellogg's cereal, it could be Coca-Cola, and they will come back to you, and they will say, they will try to reintroduce you to this word. That's, in essence, what I'm going to try to do for a few minutes tonight. I'm going to try to reintroduce you to a word that is so familiar that, dude, we've heard this a hundred times. You've heard it more than a hundred times. So here's a couple definitions. The church definition is unmerited favor. I like this definition. This is from John Stott. Grace is love that cares and stoops to rescue. I'm going to read that again. Grace is love that cares and stoops to rescue. Grace is a word that we attach to God and he has to attach it to us. Grace. Now, before I get to the main section of scripture, I want to show you a picture. Many of you have seen this. Some of you have been there. I had no idea when I sat down tonight. The person uh, sitting right behind me is actually from here. This is a picture of three rivers or right outside the city of Pittsburgh. This is the JV city of Pennsylvania. I'm from Philadelphia, by the way. So right here in front of Pittsburgh, and many of you have seen this picture, some of you have been here, it's, it's where rivers collide, the Monongahela, the Allegheny, and they end up forming this other river. So it's technically not three rivers, which is interesting, it's two that become one. There are other places in our world that there are three rivers that would collide, and I want you to get this as I start. I don't think you'll ever look at this picture again or any image of Pittsburgh again when you hear this passage of scripture. There are three rivers that flow through this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter two. So think about that as I'm gonna read this. Love, mercy, grace. All of them converge, and here's a fancy vocabulary word for you. You don't even have to be from Pennsylvania to know this word. Right here and right in front of the city where all of these rivers collide, it is called the confluence. It's where they just all meet. And that's what's happening in Ephesians chapter two. Here we go. In the first three verses, he's talked about the way you used to live and all the things that used to happen. He's talking about past tense. And then we pick up in verse four where we get a lot of hope. Here we go. But because of his great love, river one, for us, God who is rich in mercy, river two, He's not broke, he's not busted, he's not out of resource, he is rich in mercy. Made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, for it is by grace, river three, that you have been saved. Do you see the collision? Right here in one verse, love, mercy, grace, have collided into a confluence right in Ephesians 2. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us, picture this, and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, present tense. In order that in the coming future tense, ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
For it is by grace, there it is again, that you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not works so that anyone can boast. And I love the order here. Grace comes before salvation. I thought it was because I was good looking. I thought it was because I was a great athlete, which I wasn't. I thought it was because I could work for this. I thought it was because of things that I did. And Paul's coming along, and he's going, Kevin, you can be the greatest preacher. You can spit. You can yell. You can shout. You can do whatever you want on this Saturday night. It has nothing to do with you. You are saved because you got caught in the confluence of mercy, grace, and love. <laughs> Thank God for that. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want to explain what's happening here. People believe that grace is the person with great resource or the thing that reaches down to no resource and lifts it up and rescues it. I like how Robert Morris describes this. He says in this context they would have actually understood this, that there was a person with great resource and over here was a person with great need and in the middle was a broker. And not the kind of broker that we're used to. Not the kind of broker that was going to make some money off of this deal. The kind of broker that would survey the land and go out and see, where's the resource? But even more than that, it would go out. The broker would look around and would say, where's the person in need? Where's the jacked up, busted, horrible situation, story, life that I could connect to the resource? The broker is Jesus. And Jesus comes along and he knows his father who has an unlimited supply of resource. And he looks at a broken, busted world, me and you, and he says, how can I go right here and I'll pay for it? I'm not here to make any money off this deal. I'm a new kind of broker. Wow. I love this quote by Kyle Eidelman. Jeanette already referenced it when she was talking about worship. God's grace is compelling when explained, but it is irresistible when it is experienced. It's compelling when it's explained. You know, in our cognitive minds, we go, okay, yeah, that makes sense, and wow, that's amazing, but when you experience it. And I gave you sort of a silly kind of example of grace I could give you some heavier ones in my own life. How about you? Now, part of the problem with this is we don't think we really need it. We, we have one group of people who says, you have no idea what I've done, Kevin, so you can't. And then there's another group of people who comes to church a lot, and they're in a life group, and, and they sing, and they, they, and they just don't understand the gravity of this. So I want to show you a picture in just a second. Don't show it yet. Aside from Judas, if I just ask you this question, who's the worst human being you think that's ever lived? Most of you in here, regardless of your age, would think of this individual. You can show the picture. Who is that? That's Hitler. Yay, Rockingham County Public Schools. That's Hitler. Okay, so you got Hitler over here. Man you know, responsible for 20 to 30 million deaths, primarily, one person. 
Who would you say, aside from Jesus, and maybe one of his disciples, is maybe, let's get a little more modern, the greatest human being, opposite of that, who's ever lived? Here's the picture. And everyone in here knows her. Now, let's show the next slide. Let's put them together. It's almost offensive, right? Kevin, what are you doing here? I'm actually trying to get you in one slide to figure out where are you on the continuum? The continuum of maybe the worst human being who's ever lived, and over here we have maybe the single greatest human being that we would all say lived. Kevin, we ain't over here. We're definitely not where that dude is. But hey, Kevin, by the way, you're not over here where she's at. So where do you rank yourself on the continuum? And what is it that you would say puts you in the spot that you're in? Grace. Grace. So far, all I've done for a few minutes is just talk about what grace is. I'd like to, for, as we close here, talk about what grace does. Because that's really, and we're going to, in about five to seven minutes, we're going to look at what grace does right over here. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. I wonder if you would actually believe those words that a hymn writer in the early 1900s wrote. We're gonna transition to baptism here and I can't think of a better thing to do on the night when you're gonna for a few minutes talk about grace than baptize some people. But before we do that, I want to challenge you. You didn't show up tonight and you haven't so I commend you for that. This is not a participation activity. And because I'm a pastor now and not a basketball coach, I'm not sure I realized it when I was a basketball coach. I think I did, but I'm telling you right now, this is the single greatest thing happening in church, is baptism. I mean, Christmas is awesome, Easter is great, but this is it. This is the high point of any church. And so I'm gonna rally you and try to pull it out of you that you would absolutely just get excited for the people who are gonna go public tonight with something that internally went, you know, happened in their heart. What happened in their heart? Grace got a hold of them. And they're gonna go public with that tonight. And we're not just gonna watch and we're not just gonna give them a nice little golf clap. We're gonna actually cheer these people on. Baptism is an inward work and an outward expression. You don't have to be Nazarene to do it. You don't even have to be a member of a church. You don't have to be a member of a life group to do it. So there may be people here tonight, you watch these other 11 people, and you're sitting here tonight, and you go, man, I don't know why I don't just do this. Tonight might be the night where you should do this. 
And the rest of us will celebrate like nobody's business with you. Because that's what the community of faith does when people get baptized. Now, I want to show you a kid who was so excited to get baptized, he couldn't wait. Watch this. This morning, uh, we have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord, and he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. <laughs> and so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm going to do it. He wasn't going to wait around. And you shouldn't wait around either. When grace gets a hold of you and your life, you can't. You can't sit still. You can't sit silent. You can't celebrate it on your own. You just can't. I already shared with you that I'm from Philadelphia, and this is one of my favorite pictures, even though this player drives me crazy. This is Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid, in almost every game, at some point, he will invite, are you listening? He will invite people to move from spectator to participators. And even though he's the one on the court, and he's the one that's going to shoot, and he's the one that's going to dunk, and they're going to put his name in the paper, and they're going to show him more than other people, he just walks around the First Union Center Wells Fargo, whatever, they change it every other month. And he just invites people to join in the party. That's what baptism is. And that's what we're about to do in just a minute. Last picture. This is maybe my favorite. Not because she was caught praying this week, which I think is awesome, but this is Coco Golf. And the absolute exuberation over tennis. You all see Coco Golf? Now I want you to look past Coco Golf. And I want you to look at the crowd. And I want you to look at what happens in a tennis match. What in the world should we do tonight for our friends and our family, whether we know them well or not, who are going to come up out of that tank new, raised to life. Oh, we ought to celebrate. And it's an invitation. Grace is an invitation. And baptism is just an absolutely picture perfect. This is what grace looks like. I hope you celebrate tonight. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.